Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We all have that inner bogan, that classic Aussie rock. You know, there are people today that still think Shannon Noll was robbed at Australian Idol. Robbed. To which, <laughs> to which I say, it was 2003. Get over it, people. And yet, and yet there is something about that song that resonates with all of us. You see, we've all been overlooked from time to time. We all feel at time to time unappreciated. We all feel abandoned. And at that time, we all want to throw our arms out wide, rush into the street and scream, what about me? We've all had those moments. Sometimes it's you've reached the end of your rope. Things have not been going your way. You pick up the kids from school and as they walk into the house, they start shedding clothes. Maybe that's just in my house. You open the front door, the bag gets dropped, the top comes off and you just see this trail through the house. What about me? Maybe you've been helping out someone. You've been uh, at a social event, helping organise things behind the scenes. And when the thank yous came, your name wasn't mentioned. Oh, what, a, what about me? Or maybe at work that promotion came and it went to someone else. What about me? Maybe it's just the cumulative effect of everything that's happening in your life. What do I mean by that? I remember reading a book in primary school, Who Sank the Boat? <laughs> and there was a little rowboat and a horse got in and the, it was fine and a cow got in and it was fine and the dog and the cat got in and it was fine. The guinea pigs and the rabbits jumped in and the boat was fine and the mouse jumped in and the boat sank. So who sank the boat? The mouse, right? No. But the, in our humanity, we'll always blame the mouse. But it wasn't the mouse's fault. It wasn't any individual animal's fault. It was the cumulative effect of having them all together there at once. Why do we feel like, what about me? Because inherently, we're egocentric. Inherently, we're selfish. Inherently, we look inwards. And we want to make sure that we are okay. Why do we feel, what about me? Because we've actually been trained to think, what about me? Really? How have I been trained to think, what about me? Let me give you a simple example. If you're happy and you know it. If you're happy and you know it. If you're happy and you know it, then you really ought to show it. If you're happy and you know it. 
Who went to Pinaru Area School? <laughs> Me. I went to Pinaru Area School. I learned that song at Pinaru Area School. But none of you were at Pinaru Area School, which means we've been trained in an automatic response that when we hear it, it just comes out. Really? Think about it. You're at the cricket. Someone you don't know, someone you might not even like, someone who's probably three quarters cut, <laughs> shouts out, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! We've been trained to respond a certain way. Why do we feel about, feel what about me? Because we've been brainwashed. According to the website Statistica, or sorry, Statista, the advertising industry in Australia is expected to spend over $14.6 billion this year. $14.6 billion. Just get your head around that for a moment. That's $14.6 billion being spent to tell you that you lack something, that you need to buy something specific for your life to be complete. $14.6 billion. I don't know about you, but 1%, just, just give me 1% of that $14.6 billion. And I'm sure we could do more with it than what gets advertised. You see, advertising is done specifically to show something in you. It's targeted specifically at your needs, your preferences, your desires, your wants. And that advertising keeps us looking inwards for what we think we need. You see, as a society, we've been brought up on the notion that the customer is always right. And that's not true. It's not true that the customer is always right. Do you know how I know that? I'm a customer. I am not always right. You're a customer. You are not always right. But as a society, we have placed customer satisfaction above truth. We are being brainwashed by our media. A number of years ago, there was a specific TV ad and it drove me nuts. And the tagline at the end of the ad said, for the most important person in the world, you. And I hated it. Because it can't be true. We're advertising to millions of people that they are the most important person in the world. If there are two people together, you can't both be the most important person in the world, except in your own thinking. 
It can't be true. You see, there is a most important person in the world, but it's not me and it's not you. Right now, there is a most important person in the world. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is here to point the way towards Jesus. The Holy Spirit is here to work in us and to work through us so that God's kingdom can advance. For the most important person in the world, the Holy Spirit, it changes everything. Wouldn't you know it? My tablets just said, nope, sorry, I can't open that for you. (laughs) Sorry, please bear with me. Don't you love technology when it works? (laughs) All of this money, everything in society is aiming our focus inwards. And yet we know that when we focus inwards, we actually will never find satisfaction. You see, regardless of what our inner desires are, we always want more. And consumerism is self-perpetuating. We want more, so we buy more. And when we buy more, we want more. And when we want more, we buy more. And by focusing inward, we always find ourselves dissatisfied. Now, this is the pervading culture of our society. And when that culture of our society comes into church, there's a clash. Because we're not meant to be focusing inwards. Let's look at the words of Jesus In Matthew 16, verses 21 to 28, it says, From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised again. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, Some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Put yourself in Peter's shoes for a moment. 
Can you, imo- can you just imagine Jesus is talking and Peter comes up beside him and says, hey, hey, I just need to have a quiet word over here, Jesus. Because what you're saying, nah, that can't happen. You know what? It's a gutsy move on Peter's part to walk up to the Son of God and say, hey, what you're saying, that can't be right. And yet he did it nonetheless. Jesus rebuked Peter, calling him Satan. Bit harsh. The original Hebrew word for Satan actually means adversary or one who resists. So Jesus wasn't necessarily calling Peter the devil in that moment. What he was saying is, Peter, you're actually resisting what I'm trying to do here. And in resisting what I'm trying to do here, you're actually being my adversary. How was Peter being an adversary? Because he was seeing things from a human point of view. I don't know, maybe Peter had what about me playing in his head. But he wasn't seeing things from a kingdom perspective. And Jesus rebuked him for not having a kingdom mindset. You see, Jesus had an entirely different focus. Peter's focus, inward. Jesus' focus, upward. And the two clash every single time. See, Jesus probably gave the worst sales pitch in history. If you were Jesus' marketing department today, you'd be saying, okay, well, this deny yourself thing, let's not talk about that. Let's definitely not talk about dying to yourself. That's just not gonna fly. And give up your life for Christ's sake? Nah, not going to work. See, when we focus on our needs, when we focus inward, we will never be satisfied. But if we follow Jesus' example, if we focus upward, then our perspective will be outward and our needs will be met inward. Let me say that again. If we focus upward, our perspective will be outward and our inward needs will be met. So how do we avoid becoming a consumer Christian? Well, it's as easy as ABC. A, we need to assess. This week, my wife was driving to work, minding her own business, doing what she does most days, when someone decided they wanted her lane more than she did and pulled into the side of our car as it came past and scraped all the way down the side. What about me, Jesus? No, 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 no. Don't focus inward. So 
That night, Kathy and I sat on the couch, we put the phone on speaker, we called our insurance company and we made the claim. The call centre was obviously South African. It was quite a very interesting conversation as we were working our way through the claim. We had to describe all the damage. Done. Not a problem. The next step in the process, Mr Bennett, we need to book an appointment time for you to have your car assessed. Why do we need to assess my car? I've just told you all the damage that's on it. It's all down the side, every single panel. Why do I need an assessment? Because we need to look for damage below the surface, Mr. Bennett. It's not just the outer panel that might be damaged. It might be the inner panels as well. And we need to assess. John 7, 24 says, look beneath the surface so that you can judge correctly. You see, we need to know where we're actually at. We need to take an honest stock take. Why? Because God can only meet us where we're at. God can't meet us where we want to be because we're not there. God can show up there, but we're not there. He can't meet us where we want to be. He can't meet us where we project we want to be. He can't meet the facade that we want to show everyone. He can only meet where you are. So we need an assessment to work out what's really going on. How do we assess? Ask yourself these questions. Do I think the church should offer programs to suit my needs? Do I think the church should change based on my preferences? I think the church should play more hymns. Okay, you can think that. That's your preference. I really wish Ashley wouldn't preach so much. He annoys me. That's your preference. Do I see the church as providing goods or services? Would I leave the church if I thought I wasn't getting good value or service? Do I get frustrated or annoyed when the church asks something of me? You see, if you answered yes to any of those questions... Let me in all love say, you have an inward focus. Your focus is on your needs. An honest assessment is empowering because it gives us the starting place to move forward. When Jesus said to Peter, you're being my adversary, it was an honest assessment. Now, Peter can choose in that moment to run away. Oh, that's a harsh word, Jesus. I don't want to hear that. Or you can go, you know what? It's true. And from there, we can move forward. See, Victory Church is committed to providing great worship. We're committed to providing great programs. We're committed to doing everything we can 
so that new people coming can engage with the God that we know. But we do need to always remember that ultimately our Christianity isn't about us. We gather together as a church because our Christianity is about Christ. It's in the name. We need to focus upward. The B, easy as A, B, C. The B, we need to belong. Who went to McDonald's this week? Maybe I should ask the question over this side. Who went to McDonald's this week? A few of you. Who went to the Ed Sheeran concert this week? A few more of you. Fair enough. Who belongs at McDonald's? What? What? Who belongs to Ed Sheeran? What? There's a difference between attending and belonging. For many of you, you attended Macca's this week, but you don't belong at Macca's. You attended Ed Sheeran this week, but you don't belong to Ed Sheeran. But when it comes to the church, you can attend church or you can belong to church and both of those things make sense. For those of you who come and you attend church, you know what? You are welcome. We love having you here. But can I in all love say there's more? Because Jesus didn't call us to attend church. He called us to belong to church. In Ephesians 1.5, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. You're in church, Jesus' salvation, Jesus' forgiveness is open to everyone because it's what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. And we have the opportunity of coming and belonging. God adopted us into his family. He placed us in this local church. We're called to do more than just attend. In Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. How do we belong? We come to church regularly. We attend church programs. We get involved in a connect group where we can be known and know others. We need to belong. It's as easy as ABC. The C, contribute. You see, on January the 20th, 1961, American President John F. Kennedy was sworn in and gave his inaugural message. He knew that America had a number of challenges and his speech rallied the country around what is probably his most famous quote. 
Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. How do we contribute? How do we make sure that we don't have this consumer mentality? Ask not what the church can do for you. Ask what you can do for the church. In Matthew 16, 24, we read it just before, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. When Jesus said, take up your cross, he wasn't talking about your necklace or your earrings. He was talking about dying to ourselves so that others can come through our sacrifice. Just as he sacrificed himself so that others may come, we're called to do the same. How do we do that? Through our time, our talent, and our treasure. You know, your time is the most valuable commodity you've got. You can't do anything to get it back. Once it's gone, it's gone. And yet bringing your time to Jesus, bringing it back to the church and saying, hey, use this gift. You're bringing your contribution, your talent. God has gifted you and created you uniquely. And then he's knitted us together in this place. The plan was always, as we all bring our gifts and our talents together, we can do more together than we can separately. We're all very different, and God designed it that way. If I don't bring my gift, then I may be robbing someone else the opportunity of connecting in. It's as we all bring our gifts together, as we all bring our talents, that we see God's true nature shown in the church. And the final way we contribute is through our t- treasure, through the money, the gifts, the offerings that we bring. You know, tithing isn't my idea. It's not Victory's idea. It's not the leadership team's idea. Tithing is God's plan for the church. Generosity isn't my idea. It's God's idea. And as we plug into God's ideas, we're going to be able to see his life released in our church. Jesus gave up his entire life so that we might experience life to the full. As our worship team comes, in conclusion, we all have needs and our needs are important. It's a strategy of the enemy that the society we live in wants to address those needs by focusing us inwards. It's like pouring water into a bucket with no bottom. It will never be satisfied. Church, can I encourage you today, know your ABCs. Assess where you're at. Belong to the family of God. Contribute. Ask not what your church can do for you. 
but what you can do for your church. What about me? What about me? The answer's always in God. What about me? Focus upward so that your perspective might be outward, so that your inner need might be met. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 